We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. We're starting our AL East preview episodes today on the show is Chad Jennings to talk about the Red Sox. We've had Chad on for the last couple of years, and he's he's always fun to talk to. And uh, we get into basically if the Red Sox are going to be any good this season, because that's the main question. This is not the same team that won the World Series in 2018 or or even the same team from 2019. It, it is very different. So we get into all that kind of stuff. I recorded this with Chad a week from opening day, Thursday morning, so keep that in mind. The Yankees are not going to play the Red Sox for a while in the season. I think they play everyone in the AL East in the first like two, three weeks of the season except the Red Sox, so we're probably not going to see them for a little while, but it's still good to get a sense of where they stand entering the season and what we can expect from them in 2021. Enjoy the episode, guys. (laughs) 
Happy to welcome back to the podcast, Chad Jennings. He covers the Red Sox for The Athletic. It's always fun to talk to Chad. Chad, you're down in Florida, and you were just saying before we we press record, you know, you don't exactly know how valuable it is for you to be down there, but you're down there, so at least maybe you kind of feel some normalcy that a baseball season is starting next season, and you're not just covering it from your, your home office. Yeah, it, it is funny, you know, all those years doing spring training, you know, at some point you just are like, oh my God, it's another day of standing on the backfield, like watching PFP and a simulated at bat. And then I finally got down here this year and it was like, PFP, a simulated <laughs> at bat. Yeah. You know, it was, it really felt, but just felt good to, yeah, have some normalcy and also just to, you know, be around it again. Cause you know, last baseball season, frankly, for all of us was, so at a distance, um, it just, you know, it just felt much, it felt a lot different and it's still different, but it is, it's good to, to feel it at least a little bit closer. You can say it last season sucked for a number of reasons. Last season was not fun. It was not a fun baseball season. Um, yeah, well, listen, man, you got to watch a good team last year. That's I true. Been last year watching <laughs> not, not the most. That's the highest level of baseball. <laughs> That's a good point. The last time I talked to you was, I think, the day before the 60-game season was about to start. And the uh, that was like right around when they announced the expanded playoffs because in true baseball mm-hmm. fashion, they're like, oh, I know the season's starting tomorrow, but guess what? More more teams get to <laughs> yeah. make the playoffs. And yeah. um, I think we were kind of saying, you know, this opens up the door for the Red Sox because they're probably going to be a middler, but middlers can now easily make the playoffs. But they ended up being uh, a bottom seed team. I mean, question right off the bat, are the 2021 Red Sox going to be any good? Uh, you know, they've kind of set themselves up where the, the answer to that, I think on, I think even maybe they would say this is the answer is maybe. <laughs> um, I mean, really like that's kind of the way they've designed their team, right? Like the, their priority clearly is this idea of a long-term more sustainable thing. So they, you know, they get rid of Andrew Benintendi in part because he only has one more year of team control left. And so they're making a lot of, and, and every move they made this year, other than Kike Hernandez is the only guy they signed for more than one season. They're, they're, they're sort of prioritizing a lot of flexibility going forward, but they've done it in a way that is like, you could see how it can work. Um, I mean, you could even see like a best case scenario where they're pretty good. You know I mean? Garrett Richards has great stuff. If he can pitch more than four times in a season. Um, you know, they, they, Tanner house looked really good at the end of last year, Nick Pavetta, who was kind of became a mess in Philly, but had a, you know, kind of looked promising early has looked great since he got to the Red Sox. Eduardo Rodriguez is back and has been really trending in the right direction. They're going to play this kid, Bobby Dahlbeck at first, who has a ton of home run power, but also strikes out a lot. Like a lot of things where you can see like, okay, like I can see how this works, but it's so far from a guarantee. You can also very easily see how it's a mess. Um, they've added so much depth that I think last year's total disaster of a season is not going to happen. I mean, they, they just, last year, they, they, I mean, last year they had two starting pitchers most of the year, literally two. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they opened the season with Ryan Weber, who's like a triple a journeyman as their number three. Um, you know, it just, it was rough. And and now they're they're not in that boat anymore. I mean, they they have a lot more pitching depth to be able to survive and weather a season, even if things start to go sideways. So they're not going to be nearly as bad as they were last year. It's just a question of how many things here, 
how many of the risk reward things that they've taken on um, can work out to to decide whether they are, you know, as a lot of people predict them to be this kind of a 500 team that finishes potentially fourth in the division, or can they be more of like a, you know, an 88 win team that fights for a wild card? Yeah, that's kind of where the projections have them is mid 80s. And, you know, if yeah. you're if I think Fangraphs has it at 85 wins, take that for whatever, whatever you want. But OK, 85 wins. You could see that translating to 88 or 89 wins if some things go right. Mm-hmm. And then that yeah. that's playoff contention. And I mean, seemingly that's a successful season for the Red Sox if they're in September and they're in the playoff hunt. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Especially if, again, if you if you manage to be a in contention team at a time when you're making all of these moves designed to make you better basically in 2023, you know, if, so if all of that's able to happen, if you're able to build toward something sustainable and and really future strength and still be relevant in the short term, I think that's not a bad way to go. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, again, you can see the way it would work, but, uh, it's, there's, there are a lot of, (laughs) there are a lot of kind of dicey elements to this. And they're trying some weird things too. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, Alex Gore is talking about Hunter Renfro in center field. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I mean, just you wouldn't have thought of it, but they're saying, look, like everything we're looking at, metrics wise, and the way he looks, like we're going to see if this works, especially in certain ballparks. It's it's kind of interesting some of the stuff they're going to try. That's what I wanted to get to is Heim Bloom, the the general manager. Mm-hmm. He, he took over what last off season, so right before the pandemic, yeah. you can't, you yep. kind of have to. That's it's kind of unfair, um, you know to to uh well, come yeah. to come in at that time but he's he's very analytically driven so this is like this is a decision that the Red Sox have made we're going to put the keys in Heimblum's hands and he you could see all these moves he's making like you look up and I was looking at this the Red Sox roster uh last night and, and I'm and I still in my mind they're the 2018 Red Sox that won like 108 <laughs> games and I'm like yeah. who the hell are these guys mm-hmm and and that's it's like so quickly the team looks completely different, especially because yeah. you don't even have Chris Sale there to start opening day. Like he might be back at some point this season, but he's not their opening day starter. Like it's it, who's it gonna be? Avaldi, <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez. So it's just like yeah, Eduardo, yeah, yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez. So it's just like it, it's it's pretty um, amazing how many changes he's made so quickly and like the direction that this team is going. I mean, they, they've just put all their eggs in the analytically driven basket. Uh, I mean, whether, I mean, I don't know how Red Sox fans feel about that, but I mean, that's just the decision they've made, it seems. Well, Red Sox fans used to have Mookie Betts, and now they don't. You can imagine how they feel about that. It's, uh, it, 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 he's, to Heim's credit, he's clearly doing the things that he believes are going to be better for the team in the long term. Like, he has a clear plan of this is the way we're going to do it. And, I think there is some sense that like ownership's just not spending money anymore. I mean, they're still going to have like the third or fourth highest payroll in the game. They're, they still are spending, but they're, you know, they're still tied to paying half of David Price's contract and they're paying JD Martinez. And so it, it's going to be interesting to me to see once they get some money off the books and Heim has a chance to like go make a big splash, will he still do that? Or is he going to be still so sort of small market and so big picture minded that he, won't ever make like a big commitment. Um, that I think will be a test for, for later, but for now, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a, such a different way to go about it. Um, especially coming off of 
whatever it was, four or five years of Dave Dombrowski, who, you know, is a, is notoriously kind of an all in guy. Um, so I think the reaction here is that it is so much turnover, you know, that outfield was so good, you know, with Jackie winning gold gloves in center and Ben Attendee, at, you know, at least in 18 really looked like this promising young left fielder and Mookie, of course, you know, you know, he's arguably a, either the, what, number two, number three player in all of baseball. I mean, I think people could make the case that he's number one. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, when you get rid of that and now it's, um, you know, Renfro and whatever Franchi Cordero is at this point and Alex Verdugo, it's, it, it feels like maybe not an upgrade. Did they get a decent return for Benintendi? From Kansas, like that, that trade kind of surprised yeah. me altogether. Just yeah, because it's like, yeah. what's Kansas City doing, and then what are the Red Sox doing? It just seemed confusing from both standpoints. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, and it still is because they got three players to be named later. Is that deal? <laughs> Usually, you don't see three. three. Usually, man. you got one, yeah. maybe two. Yeah, yeah. Now, some of this is some of this is because we're coming off of twenty twenty, right? Like they didn't, so they didn't have a chance to scout these guys, so you know, they have their list of players and they're going to get to go look at them in spring training and look at them. Maybe even, I don't know for sure when they have to announce a trade, but it might be that they don't have to announce it until like July 1st or something, which would give them two months of the minor league season to really evaluate and for the Red Sox to decide which of these, however many guys they want. Um, so it's hard to tell, you know, the guy, the main, the short-term guy they got back is, is Franchi Cordero, who is this, you know, tooled up. I mean, you know, he looks like a freaking strong safety. He's huge, strong. Everyone's uh, by all accounts, like works hard, does everything right, but he's just been hurt a ton. Uh, a lot of swing and miss. And so who knows? I mean, you know, he's such a total wild card. And the other thing is with Ben and he's more expensive than he's ever been. He has one more year of team control. He's coming off of a terrible 2020 and a pretty bad, like basically replacement level, little above replacement level. But I mean, I think he was like a right at a 100 OPS plus hitter in 2019. So like how much value did that guy have? I mean, when he's making that much money, he's making six, seven million um, with one more year. Like it did seem weird that here's a name that everyone knows and he just got traded for Franchi Cordero and a bunch of players to be named later. But also, where he is in his career is like, like if you really wanted to trade him, what what were you going to get back? Um, so yeah, I don't know what they got out of that deal because there's so many players to be named later. But uh, they certainly gave up the closest thing to a a sure thing in that in Benintendi, and even that one comes with a lot of questions. Right. I mean, if you're gonna do like I like if you're pl- like you said, 2023 is th- where this team is projecting. Okay, so you hang on to Benintendi. What does he have? One more year of team control, right? Yeah. You yeah. Don't don't you almost say we're going to bank on him having a rebound year, walking in free agency, and us getting some sort of compensation draft picks? Well, it, but I also think if you're going to get a compensation draft pick, you're going to have to then tender him next season when he's going to get another raise. And if you're not convinced that he's going to perform up to that level that you want to pay that last year of arbitration. Yeah. Or if you just think that they, they also, they make the case that trade value is so tied to years of control that if you wait any longer, even if he starts to have a bounce back that teams maybe will value him even lower because they're getting fewer years out of him. 
Now, I find that a little bit hard to believe if, if that 26 years old Ben Intendi has a great first three months, and I really think that his trade value would be higher than it is right now. But again, I mean, to do that, you'd have to have a really good three months, and based on what we've seen the last two years, maybe that's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, it was a surprising trade for me. Um, I didn't because for the same reasons you said, I, I thought that you're better off holding on to him at this point. His value so low, you should hope for something better. But I, you know, I think they're just trying to make some. Uh, they're taking kind of a very practical approach to a lot of this. You know, it's it's to some extent similar to like when they did trade Mookie. Like it's a very practical idea. Look, we tried years before to get on a team friendly extension. We think it's going to have to take top of the market value to sign him. The more practical move is just go, look, let's just guarantee ourselves a return here. Get three good young players from the Dodgers and trade him. Um, and then the Dodgers sign him for open market value. Like that, that's a very practical way to put it if, if, you're, if you're not wanting to spend that much money. Um, but it just, you know, does it, is it the right thing to do? I don't know. <laughs> but it is a very practical, let's, let's take the sure thing root here and uh, definitely get a return. And that's kind of what they did with Ben and Zindy. Like right now we can get five young players for him. Let's do it. And I read an article, Alex Cora had some comments recently about Ben and I guess doing his own workout program going into the 2019 season without clearing it with the team. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't know if that had anything to do with his underperformance or if it had anything to do with him getting traded. I mean, 2019 is so long ago that I, I don't know if that would impact things, but there's Alex Cora, like never afraid to to speak out. Like we'll get to Alex Cora returning in a minute, but <laughs> but does, does do you think that had anything to do with this trade or no? Um, maybe because he did he did come in as a different player, but also as I understood it, this was Heim has Heim was looking to trade Benintendi ever since he came in. If that's something he thought was was going to be the right move, even leading into 2020. So, and if he's feeling that as he came into the organization, that means he wasn't necessarily here for when Ben Intendi showed up in different shape in 2019, right? He, so maybe he just saw that from afar and made that decision. But I think, I think it really had much more to do with, you know, a player that's running out of team control and not a guy who you've decided you want to commit to long-term. And so again, you just make the practical move of uh, let's just trade him now. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know that it's all to do like, cause I don't think they were angry at Benintendi for putting on weight that year. It's just that it didn't, he did what he thought he was. He thought he was doing the right thing. He clearly worked, he worked hard and he had done that in college. Frankly, like he, he jumped his stock in the draft his sophomore year. And some of that was, he got a lot stronger and, and had a much better year at Arkansas and then was the number seven overall pick. So you can see how it made sense to him. And I don't think they took it as like, you know, him being insubordinate. I think it was just like, Oh, that didn't work for what we had planned here. You know, they were, they wanted him to be a leadoff hitter. And I think Ben and thought he was going to be a number three, four, five hitter. So, and it, it doesn't take like a genius to have predicted the, the Alex Cora return. I think you and I talked about this uh, mm -hmm. on one of our, uh, one of our episodes last year that you were on that it kind of seemed like the writing was on the wall for Alex Cora to come back because the Red Sox didn't fully name um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Who was who was the acting manager last year? Oh, Ron Renzi. Yeah, yeah. They never actually named him like full, like manager, right? He was always interim right. manager. So mm -hmm. 
we you kind of always knew that was going to be a a temporary thing, and then there was a new hire that was going to come in, and then Alex Cora comes in after the comes back after the the cheating scandal, and how do you think this is uh, like? What kind of look do you think this is for the team? Because it it's almost in from an outsider's perspective, it's almost like well, we don't really care. Alex Cora is a good manager, so we're like, and, and and AJ Hinch got a new job. He didn't get a job with the Astros, but he got another job. Right. So this is just yeah. more more examples in baseball of it's like, well, yeah, cheating's bad, but also it's not that bad. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think some of it is an acknowledgement of what was going on in baseball at the time, like teams being perhaps not that shocked that there were people stealing signs in this way. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, it, it, I I made the comparison before that like it, it kind of became, and, and again I think this always sounds like I'm I'm like defending Alex, which I'm not. Like he knows he was wrong. This was I mean he clearly crossed a line out of the gray area and into like this is a black and white. You can't do this. But when the whole league reacts to that by saying we knew the Astros were cheating, like well if you knew what what how did, was this allowed to go on? So like if everyone knew. And so it had almost become like the pitchers putting pine tar on their fingers. Like yep. everyone was illegally stealing signs in some way. I don't think the Astros were the only ones doing it. I, I mean, you know, obviously the Red Sox got things for their replay guy helping out in there. It was a mess. I mean, as soon as you put instant replay in and then told everybody you can watch live at bat, but oh, don't take a sign while you do it. Like that's absurd. <laughs> You're dead. That's never going to work. So I think some of that, the fact these guys got jobs again, I think somewhat speaks to baseball also knowing, look, we were in a bad spot with this. Like, yeah, they took it too far, but none of us, I don't think, I doubt there's any team out there that's fully innocent of this. Like, if you wanted to really, if you were able to really dig in on what every team was doing, I don't think they were doing what the Astros were doing. The Astros clearly took this way too far, and it's, it's ugly. But I think some of that speaks to like the industry knowing, look, <laughs> this was, we as an industry did not do a good job policing this. And also, I think th- these guys, it took Heim, Heim had to get to know Alex, Cora. The guys who are here who knew Alex, I mean, he is so well-liked and so, respect, so respected here that I think that it was easier to uh, to kind of, to go look, he was wrong, and he needed to serve his punishment. But we're not that doesn't that doesn't necessarily define him here. It's like you know, if one of your buddies did something wrong, and you can still see the good side in him, and still believe in him, and think like, okay, he's learned his mistake. He's not going to do this again. And that was a big thing that I that I was told after they hired him was that some of the conversations were, look, he's not going to do this again. Like he knows his entire you know, his life in baseball now is on the line, right? If he gets caught cheating again, then you kind of have to trust that like he knows that and they believe he's not going to let that kind of mistake happen. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, him being back, it, it is a little bit of like uh, cheating was wrong, but not that wrong. But it's also, I think, sign feeling is wrong, but kind of everyone was a little bit wrong in this the whole time. And, uh, and and the, the the Astros are kind of the ones that did it the worst and and took the biggest fall. Well, Cora, like you said, he's so well liked and so well respected. I mean, that was evident with the Red Sox rehiring. That was, I think, evident in Houston 
where he basically led the charge on mm-hmm. on on the cheating. So that kind of made me wonder why Hinch got a job so fast because I, I don't know that he has that reputation that Cora had. And he was the manager of the Astros that allowed cheating. And he, I mean, he did that interview with uh, Verducci where he basically admitted, well, I knew it was happening. I just didn't do anything to stop it. Like to me, that's almost worse than Cora cheating. If Hinch really did feel, I don't agree with this and you're the manager and you just let Mm -hmm. it happen. I'm sorry. I'm not hiring you. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I I agree. Yeah. You're not wrong. I mean, it's uh yeah, that's that's an ugly thing, and and I would say though I, I do think Hinch is pretty well respected. I mean, I think he's well liked, but yeah, he. I mean, it, look, it, the whole thing it was a mess. I mean, the stuff what happened in in Houston is a is a failure of leadership on so many levels by the players, by the manager, by the coaching staff, by Cora, by AJ, by the general manager, by just their whole baseball operations thing that they had going on where they thought they, you know, I mean, you know, everything you read and see, I mean, they kind of, you know, took themselves a little seriously and thought they were, they had this all figured out and were smarter than everyone else. Um, it just a total, just a total breakdown of leadership in that situation. Uh, and, and I mean, and that applies to Cora, that applies to AJ Hinch, who I, and Hinch is someone I've known for, I covered Hinch in the minor leagues when he was playing. I think he's a good, smart guy. And I think he's a good leader who lost, who, did a very bad job there. And I mean, just total failure to lead and direct the team and get them away from this. It just, a lot of people did not do a very good job in that situation. And, um, and so it, yeah, it, it, it should be examined over and over again. And I think it will be, um, because it, it, it was a mess, but it's just how much is that what defines these guys forever? Um, and I think in, yeah. and, And, you know, for some people it will like that's, you know, it just, that's, going to be forever who they are. Um, but I think within the game, um, it clearly is not, you know, just obviously it's not like they're, they wouldn't be back managing teams right now. Have you had any conversations with Adam Adovino since he came over from the Yankees? I have not. I mean, other than on group zooms, but right, no, right. I just got down here yesterday. So I haven't talked to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, interesting pitcher. Yeah, and, I mean, and really, like, had a, not a bad year last year. He had that one blow up game. He literally, literally, um, in a sixty game season, you can isolate it to like he gave up, I think, seven runs in Toronto or, or against Toronto yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then he had like one or two other ones that were like kind of not that were not good, but like normal bad. And but otherwise, it's a good season. Um, that one, I mean, I was pretty surprised by that trade too. I'm sure you were. I mean, everything about that is just everything about it's so weird. It was a salary dump for the Yankees. They wanted to clear salary space, and they they ended yeah. up adding two relievers for basically the money they they yeah. dumped for Adovino. They added Justin Wilson and Darren mm-hmm. O'Day. Um, I, yeah. I, I I mean, to, I've talked about this at at nauseum on my show. It's just like I don't think the Yankees need to be worried about getting under the luxury tax if their goal is to really win a World Series. Like just keep Adam Adovino because he might come in handy for you because he did have a really good 2019 season. He hit a wall in the playoffs and then 2020 he, his stats are bad because of like, like we just said a couple bad outings, but um, how are the Red Sox? Is he going to, I think I I saw he could even be their closer. Yeah, he could be. They they haven't named a closer yet. Um, It's between him and Matt Barnes and, and both, you know, we'd have, cause for concern in that role. You know, Barnes walks a ton of guys out of, you know, you know, fairly famously yeah. so much better against righties than against lefties. Um, but 
you know, those are the two guys they're considering for closer, at least right now. I mean, I, they got this catch Salamora out of Japan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. They seem to like him, but he's not like a huge strikeout guy. You know, he's a split is his best ball speed pitch. Throws a slider, throws a, a pretty good fastball. Like, he, But he closed a little bit in Japan. You know, you wonder if as he gets comfortable, could they shift him to the ninth inning? It seems possible. Um, but yeah, I, I, it looks like for now, and I don't know which way they're going to go. Out of, you know, Barnes, it, it's kind of hard to tell. I think the general thought is they'll probably clo- use Barnes as the closer, but but Cora has multiple times gone out of his way to say we we expect to give Ottavino primarily clean innings. Like he's not going to be the guy that they bring in just to get like you know face one or two righties and hope he gets them out to get out of the inning. Um, so maybe that's a hint that we're going to let him close and give him a clean ninth. I, I, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, it's between those two to close, and it'll be you know two good relievers, um, just not guys who you would necessarily look at and go, oh that. That's the guy who needs to be in the ninth. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We've all gone through a lot over the past year plus with COVID. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. And it's available worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living happier today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily to see for yourself. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bronx21. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. We have a great special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Bronx21. One more time, betterhelp.com slash Bronx21. All right, last thing I want to talk about is the offense. And I, I kind of feel like it hinges on J.D. Martinez, who had a terrible 2020. Yeah. He kind of talked about how he just mentally was not in 2020. Is that is that right? 
Yeah, a little bit. He also, it, it's sort of weird. You know, he, I think 2020 was hard for him. He also lost in-game video for the year. Yeah. He's a guy who famously leans on that. You know, he just is a, I mean, just devours video and information. He also, this winter, or this spring, talking to the Globe, said that he thinks he like an, hit an, hit an ankle issue in the playoffs of 2018 and that he thinks that is sort of the root of all of this. Okay. <laughs> which seems strange, but also seems like the kind of thing that J.D. Martinez could have broken it down to. So two, um, two, years, guess, two years later, it's, it's yeah, affecting him right. in the box? Sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, but that's what he said, that when he got into, when he started really breaking down his swing and trying to figure out what's the root of the problems he was having, he found on the very basic level that his he he was not activating at the start from his ankle in the way he's supposed to. I mean, like that's the way this guy breaks down. So, I mean, he gets down into like minutia like this, and then starts to rebuild. And that that's where that's sort of the earliest part of the chain that he found was off. And he wonders if he kind of got into bad habits trying to get through this ankle thing a few years ago, which got him into you know where he's now starting to you know, move a little bit differently all through 2019, which got everything out of whack. And then it's a chain reaction. I mean, again, it's kind of hard to believe that a 2018 minor ankle injury was the cause of a fall off the cliff season in 2020. But I, not many people know they're swinging the way JD Martinez does. So you kind of have to go like, all right, well, maybe, <laughs> you know, like, maybe that's where this all started. Sure. Um, but yeah, but I agree with you. That's what the the the, the offense hinges there. I mean, look, Devers can hit. They know Bogarts can hit. Uh, it looks like Alex Verdugo is going to be a pretty good hitter. Um, Hunter Renfro and Bobby Dahlbeck are both big time home run guys who are going to swing and miss a lot. We know all the all these things are factored in. It the, the wild card is is JD going to be JD Martinez again, or is he going to be? I mean, last year he had the lowest WAR of any player in baseball. <laughs> That's pretty remarkable. Right, coming um, off so MVP caliber numbers in 2018. Correct. Totally, yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. He he's the he's sort of his bounce back is the biggest difference maker. But another key factor. I mean, they're going to try to lead off Kike Hernandez, and I mean this guy. He's I can't I don't have the numbers in front, but he's something like a career 310 on base percentage. Um, Interesting. But yeah, but they they really think that they can if they can get him to be a little more aggressive on fastballs that he can really help. And obviously if that works, if he's a solid enough leadoff hitter, then, you know, that stretches the lineup a lot. I mean, now you get to hit, you know, you get to move Verdugo into number two instead of number one, which then lets you put those, those three, you know, Bogarts, Martinez, Devers right in the middle. I mean, it does, it, it would help if you have that. Um, but it, you know, can that work? It's looked great in spring training. He's been, you know, on base percentage, well over 400, but it's spring training. Um, so we'll see. But I, I do think, I mean, you're right that it hinges on JD, but there's like the other element I would point out is this idea of Kike Hernandez as a leadoff hitter, you know, if he can make a big jump forward and they can sort of unlock that in him, then that's also a big, that's, that's a pretty big change for the lineup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the the lineup, I mean, has, been good always even yeah. with jd martinez struggling so he gets back yeah. to putting up really good numbers and then you you look and it's like okay well there's a lot of guys in this lineup that are gonna hit and yeah uh, the, the lineup's good i think the lineup is good i don't know that the lineup is great 
you know, it's not a, a I don't think, but, but again, if, if they do get a good leadoff season out of Fernandez, if JD bounces back even to his 2019 form, and if one of the other guys, whether it's Dahlbeck or Cordero or Renfro or someone sort of overperforms a little bit and becomes like a big power threat as like the number six ish hitter, then you're talking about like a, maybe a, a good enough offense to make up for some of the deficiencies on the pitching staff. But again, it's kind of what we talked about in the beginning. It's, there are a lot of elements here where you're like, okay, I can connect enough dots to see how this could really work, but it's also pretty easy to see some of the ways that could fall apart. Yeah, this guy Bobby Dahlbeck, like I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm just gonna think Brian Dahlbach every time he steps in the box. Just, <laughs> just because of the last name sounding familiar. Yeah. And uh that's yeah. when I grew up he's watching the Red Sox early two thousands. Right. He's an interesting player though. I mean, he's a big dude who really does seem to have an idea of what he's doing at the plate. He's made adjustments kind of throughout his minor league career too. Like if he as he gets time at a level, clearly adjusts to the pitching there. The power is enormous. Well, he's listed six four, two twenty seven. Yeah, definitely a big guy. Yeah, he's big, man. And uh, and I mean, he had some a long way to the opposite field. Um, so we'll see. He's a, he's an interesting player. But again, you know, he he may strike out one hundred ninety times this year. Like there's there's a real, I mean, a, a really strong chance he's going to set the Red Sox rookie record for strikeouts and home runs. But they don't care. That's that's the right. like totally. the. He's their number nine hitter. Yeah, like they're, I mean, they're they're literally going like, sure, let's just <laughs> hopefully we'll, we'll you get twenty five home runs out of them. You'll you'll take yep. the hundred and ninety strikeouts, and, yep. and then the math in the end works out. I mean, it's kind of frustrating yep. to watch. I mean, believe me, like I, yep. the Yankees have plenty of players like that, and it's frustrating to watch from a day to day basis. But the, like, I understand the math works out for you in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, it's a whole other show, but that's why. I mean, that there's. Like I think the shift is great and super smart, and I also would limit it. Just well, they're doing I that like, in Double A. You, you see the yeah, rule in Double A. I, I, I love yeah, that. Yeah. I love they're trying Me that. Too. And I and, and again, it's not against the shift. I'm not anti shift. It's smart. It should. It, but it's too smart. Like these guys are too good at this, and it, it's it's changing the way the game's played. Yeah, it's not and, an entertaining product when there's not yeah, many base just, hits. It just makes it less fun. That's how I feel. It's like. I'm not mad at anybody for doing this. They're smart people, but they've outsmarted the game a little bit to where, you know, even though it's an out, there's, you know, watching a shortstop have to go into the hole a little bit and make a good throw across to get a guy at first base. Yeah, it's just an out, but it's action. Right. And there's something happening. Like, I, I, I so I, I hope we get, I hope they find some way to, to get more of that because in the meantime, it, it really is rewarding three, two, three true outcomes. And, uh, there's a reason that's fine. I'm not mad at anybody for doing it. I don't think these people are evil. <laughs> I just think I, I like it more. If you can find a way that the ball can play a little bit more, I think that's a, a much more entertaining product. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Definitely with you. Chad, thank you so much for the time. Always fun to talk to you, and uh, we'll catch up later in the season. That sounds great, man. Always a pleasure. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.